This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 252 with Beryl Young. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 252. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Beryl Young is a shameless mom to her eight-year-old daughter, as well as the founder of Recapture Self and creator of Momtography photography classes. Inspired by Beryl's traumatic entrance into motherhood, Momtography began in 2011 in the D.C. metro area as a creative business experiment. Over the past seven years, Momtography has expanded to include an online learning experience and local classes across the U.S. taught by licensed teachers in 12 cities. Beryl calls herself a creative coach who grants women permission to seek an identity beyond motherhood using creativity as a tool for living a bigger, bolder, more meaningful life. Beryl is a highly inspired and creative woman who will motivate you to seek new creative pathways for sure. I had so much fun chatting with her and I'm pretty sure she will spark something in you as well. It can be very challenging to find creative outlets when you're managing the overwhelm and the necessary nitty gritty of motherhood. Beryl is going to teach you how to start digging into creative spaces in simple and fun ways. So listen in to hear Beryl share the value of living in integrity personally and professionally, how family planning and trauma changed her professional direction, how to use the 100 steps project to initiate creativity, how you can communicate with your partner to get more time to pursue your interests life hacks to get creative and stop overthinking everything, how to stay wildly creative and also be successful as an entrepreneur, 
and how getting tattooed and dyeing her hair helped her thrive with anxiety. I loved this conversation and I'm so excited and honored to be sharing Beryl Young with you today. Beryl Young, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be talking with you today. This is going to be fun. And I should tell everyone that you came to me through, you were introduced to me through Megan Flat, who was on the show talking about the mama advantage. And I love Megan. And now actually Megan and I are colleagues together in a coaching group. So it's been really fun getting to know her. So when she reached out and was like, I think you should talk to Beryl. I was like, yes, sign me up right now. Yay. (laughs) Megan is an awesome human being. And that episode was definitely a fun one. I listened into it. It was, it was. Yeah. And I will link to that in the show notes in case anyone missed it. So it was definitely a good one. So Megan and I are in this coaching group together. And yesterday she did a special training for the coaching group for one of our leaders is out on maternity leave. And so Megan stepped in and it was so fun to have her in coaching mode, like to have her on the show as a guest and then have her in coaching mode. And I, what I love about entrepreneurship is seeing people in different roles and like you get to see them as peers sometimes, and then you get to see them as leaders and it's so fun. It is really, really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because Megan and I actually started out as peers and now I'm in Megan's coaching group. So I'm oh, getting nice. a completely different angle on her work and what she does, which has been really, really good. And I'm sure we'll dive into this, but I am like super, super creative flighty brain. And she is like plans. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need you in my life, Megan. Right. We spent like half of her interview talking about post-it notes and which I loved. And I'm like, people are like going to love this episode and be like, this is like my Bible or they're going to be like, that's not how my brain works at all. Right. Yes. So you're going to see that I'm like totally like on a different playing field. Which I love. I love all different people. Like it takes a little bit of everyone. And also I love that when you see other people doing things that maybe you're like, oh, I could never see myself doing something like that. But when you hear other people's stories, you're like, oh, maybe I could do something like that. Maybe I just haven't like tried to access that part of my brain or my creativity. So we can definitely talk about that today because I think that's really important. And I think that shifts in motherhood too, where Like there's things that you think you maybe had been dismissive of in the past where you're like, hmm, maybe there's value in this thing if I, if I were to try it out. I am all about the power of possibility. So I'm like, ooh, let's, let's dive into that. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. So before we dive into creativity and all these kinds of fun things, I want to know just a little more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life right now and what you're most excited about. I was thinking about this question before we got on the phone, and it was actually interesting. The day that we're recording this interview is the day we closed on our house a year ago, and I was like thinking about it today, and I'm really, really excited about where we live. Our house was like this magical thing that came into being last year. I run my own company, my own business for creative moms from home. Uh, It's been that way for about the last five years. And I always wanted this freedom and flexibility to make my own schedule and do my own thing. And my business is a little bit of a blend of I teach live in person, local classes rooted in photography, and I have an online arm of my business. And for my local classes, I was always looking outside the home for places to teach. And I sublet a space for a little while and I would rent hotel, like meeting rooms to teach my classes. And I always had this dream of having my own space. And we lived a very suburban lifestyle. When my daughter was born, she's eight now. 
And I loved our community, but after about four years of living in our house, I was like, this is not home anymore. And mm-hmm. I was that person that would always like troll realtor.com, <laughs> look, for, <laughs> look for like the perfect house. And my husband, who was actually very structured and he's like an accountant and he'd be like, oh gosh, there she goes again, my creative wife, who's like looking for the next big thing. And it was almost like magical. I never like dreamed of having this country escape with land, but I found this listing that I must have seen like five different times. And I noticed on this particular time that I was viewing it, that there was a detached garage. (gasps) And then I looked at the listing and I was like, this house is actually kind of cool. And I was like, oh, it's on two acres of land. Literally within like three days, we had gone and visited the house and put an offer in on So yeah, there was a lot that we had to do behind the scenes to get the offer through. And it was just sort of magical how it all came to be. And now we have this home that I'm so excited to get up and come and work in. And I can teach classes out of the house when I want to. And it's a lot of fun. (laughs) So that's that's where, yeah, and it's this nice blend of the personal and professional. So that's what's on my mind today. I love that. And I love that. And this is similar for me. sounds similar to you that like, I don't want to keep personal and professional super separate (laughs) like that. And I know there's people and my husband, even sometimes he'll be like, don't you just want to turn it off and like, you know, close it down at five o'clock. And I'm like, "Mm, no, (laughs) I'm good. Right. Right. And I have to be conscientious of like not letting my family suffer because I'm doing Instagram stories at nine o'clock at night. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like there's not a ton of divide for me because if I'm talking about being a shameless mom, like I'm a shameless mom around the clock. And so it's very hard for me to be like five o'clock done being a shameless mom. There's a lot of tricky balancing. And yeah, I show up in my business, how I show up in my personal life for the most part. Obviously, there's differences. I go into work mode and like home mode, but it was just nice to have like, it just felt like everything came together. And I'm like, oh, I love this space. And I love being with my family in this space. And I love coming to work in this space. And it's just really nice to be in this place where I would actually go travel and not want to move every place that I travel to. I go, oh, I'm actually really looking forward to going home. So yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> I love that you say you show up in your personal life the same way you do in your professional life, because I actually just did a Facebook live talking about mentors who don't do that. Like they have two very different personas. And I totally understand, and you know, for some people, especially for introverts, I think that there's a lot of ways that maybe we really have to like turn it on to go to work. And then we really want to like shut down and turn it off when we're at home. But I do love when people show up consistently in personal and professional. Like I feel like if you're very in touch with your true self and like being authentic and being genuine mm-hmm. in who you are. And that feels really good. And I know for me, like I've made career shifts when I felt like I was no longer able to show up in my best self in both areas of my life. I knew that it was time to quit my day job. And we'll probably talk about this later on in the interview, but I knew it was time to quit my day job when I was out of integrity with who yeah. I was in the workplace. Yeah, And I felt like I was coming to work and I wasn't engaged in what I was doing anymore. Totally. And I wasn't excited about it. And I feel like to show up as a mentor or a guide or a coach, whatever hat I'm putting on (laughs) on any particular day, (laughs) that I have to be in integrity with myself or else I can't show up for the people that I'm serving. So it's hugely important to me. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, so let's back it up a little and let's talk about your entrance into motherhood. Yes, this is we're gonna go deep for a little bit. Let's go deep. We're ready. Yeah, it's an interesting story. I call myself an accidental business owner, and most of the core of my business, I say that I'm kind of a mentor to creative moms that want to find their identity. But Mm -hmm. the tool I mainly use to do that is photography, and I bring that up because as my husband and I were kind of doing family planning, I was never that person that had a camera all the time or valued pictures. I enjoyed the creative process and I had a camera and I enjoyed taking pictures, but I wasn't like that person. I wasn't known like Beryl's always the one with the camera. That was not me. But when my husband and I got married, photography was hugely important to me. Like, I think that was one of our biggest investments in our wedding. And I'm actually still friends with my wedding photographer to this day. She's an amazing person. And so after our wedding was done, and I really valued the pictures and we started thinking about family planning, I began to research because I'm a little bit type A. I'm like, I'm going to want really good newborn pictures. I better look and see how much these newborn photographers cost. And then I started to look at websites and I was like, wow, to get the quality that I wanted, it was going to be a huge investment. And I was on a teacher salary at the time. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. So I was like, well, maybe I should learn how to take pictures myself. And I had a virtual friend, an online friend who was like, 
doing a project. She was not a mom either, but she was doing this project that was a visual diary of her life. And it's called a 365 project. And any of your listeners that know photography have probably heard of this type of project, but you take a photo a day. And I was like, that's really cool. Let me try that and see if I can get better with my pictures. And so I picked up a camera. It was a point and shoot at the time and started to get a little bit better, but then realized that I kind of tapped out on what my point and shoot was able to do as I was like, Ooh, my pictures don't look like that person's. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) Maybe the big fancy DSLR camera will help me get better pictures. And it was sort of like this combining of timing. So I started learning about the camera and then we got pregnant and morning sickness hit. And I was about three months into my 365 project when morning sickness took hold. And then I was in bed, like my morning sickness was terrible. And so I was like, well, these pictures are going to be really boring. <laughs> it's me coming oh home from work <laughs> in bed every day. Right. So the 365 project ended, but I also got my first DSLR camera at the time. My parents actually gave it to me as an early baby gift. And that pregnancy Unfortunately, at 20 weeks, we got some bad news about our first daughter, Bella, and that first pregnancy was a loss. Mm -hmm. And that transition was really, really difficult on a variety of different levels. But, um, you know, this camera that I was learning about that I was expecting to use to document this really exciting time because your first baby, you know, is supposed to be like super exciting. And I instead, I kind of went into this really deep, dark depression. And I went back to work like two weeks after the loss. And I'm an extroverted introvert. So I categorize myself as an ambivert, but I went totally introverted and didn't really know how to interact when people ask me how I was doing Mm. at work and in my personal life. But I had the camera and I was like, oh, well, maybe I can document what grief looks like. And instead of me having to talk to people, I can just put it on a blog. And so I put photos of grief and of my cats and of the things that I was experiencing on this blog. And at the time, Facebook was still new enough that they like didn't have algorithms and you know people saw stuff. And I at least had the vulnerability and gumption to share that story publicly on Facebook and some of the blog posts that I was doing. And that loss turned into people, people actually were reading my blog and I was surprised that people were reading it. And that was the thing that started my business moving in a different direction as well. We went on after our loss about a year later. We had perfectly normal, healthy pregnancy. I have an eight-year-old daughter now, and she's spunky and independent and awesome. But yeah, the loss completely changed the trajectory of my life. It really forced me to dig deep into who I am and who I wanted to be in the world. So it was a really tricky time. That's so interesting. Interesting that like, I'm just imagining that it would have been so easy to put the camera down during a time of trauma and loss and grief and just be like, had this as an instrument and tool and like really special piece to commemorate this really exciting time. And so I'm, I just imagine that a lot of people would just set it down and be like, 
and we're going to close the door on that. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I wanted to do that. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like thinking yeah. back on it, I didn't want to pick up the camera. Yeah. But I didn't know what else to do. And people during that time, like it's hard to support a friend that is grieving about anything. It can be the loss of a parent, a loss of a child, a loss of a family member. And this is no fault of anyone, but people, I don't think people knew how to react. Yeah. And so we just like flowers started pouring in. So there were flowers all over the house and I'm like, oh gosh, these flowers are supposed to make me feel happy and they don't make me feel happy. And what should I do with this? And so the only thing that I knew how to do was to pick up the camera and photograph them. And mm. there was something I think inside that went, oh, that actually felt a little bit better. Like I felt good. Yeah. I felt good for a moment. And so that got me wondering about other things that I might be able to do with the camera. I posted a selfie during that time as well. That was like, should I restart my 365 project? And people were like, yes, you should. And I didn't think that I could commit to something that large of a commitment or scale. So it had me taking pictures consistently, but it wasn't like this huge photo project that I had to do. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you like listened kind of to your intuition of like, oh, you know, I took a picture of this flower and that felt good. Just yesterday I was in a Facebook group for entrepreneur moms and there was a woman in there talking about having lost her 11-year-old daughter very quickly and unexpectedly, like two or three months ago. And she said, for the sake of money, she's like, I really have to get back to work in my business, but it feels like very disingenuous to be like, I'm back. Like who wants to buy something, <laughs> you know? And she's like, mm -hmm. we are very much still grieving, but like, I can't afford to not be working. And so she was in this like very transitional time of how can I like show up authentically given where I'm at right now and like take care of business, but also like still be honest about where I'm at. And I right. think that that's so much of what you did is it's like finding that really delicate balance between like continuing to grieve and heal and also create and produce whatever create and produce might right. mean for you. That means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But mm -hmm. I think that that's such a delicate balance. And I think it requires a lot of self-reflection. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with all of that. And I think there was something too going, okay, I can put on a happy face and fake it till I make it at my teaching job. And then I can come home and I can use this tool to actually share what's kind of going on underneath the surface right. a little bit right. too. So, How do you help women use low points as invitations and springboards into creative self-discovery and possibility? I mean, like you just gave such a beautiful example how you did that. <laughs> how do you encourage other women to do that? So the best way I have to describe it is kind of this photo project that I started to do during the loss period, but I now encourage a lot of the moms that I work with to go do it and it doesn't require any sort of knowledge with photography. Like it's something you can do with a phone or with your, your big fancy camera or whatever you want to do. But I started this project called the 100 steps project. And I will do this when I am not feeling motivated to work in my business for the day mm -hmm. or, you know, any type of difficulty transitioning or getting motivated and basically you choose a starting point. It can be your front door. It can be at the park. It can be wherever you want it to be. And you take a hundred steps from whatever your starting point is. And then wherever you land, you have to take a photo and make it look interesting. And for me, that project Love just this. helped me see my life in a completely different perspective. Like how can I make this really boring scene look interesting? 
<laughs> in this moment. So that is like one of the first invitations I give to my photography clients, to my coaching clients, to how can we really put a different perspective on what's going on in your experience right now? And how can we bring a sense of freshness or newness to your experience as well? Oh my gosh, that's so cool. That's like such a great idea. What I thought you were going to say with the 100 step projects, I thought you were going to be like, just take 100 pictures of like, whatever over like the course of, you know, X amount of weeks or whatever. But I love 100 steps, which is like very attainable too. So like, you're not going that far from wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's such a cool idea. And now I'm like very tempted to try this. <laughs> the other fun thing with this project, and now that my daughter is eight, it's a lot more fun, but I still have work to do with it. She now gets excited about it. So it's something I can do with my daughter too. Ooh, I like and, it, that. and it involves my work. So I used to do this with her if she was getting really cranky or we were both cranky or, you know, that afternoon slump where everybody's mm -hmm. just sort of like, what do we do? <laughs> right. So I would take her outside and we'd take 100 steps. I would have my DSLR. She'd have my phone. And it was really interesting to see what our two different perspectives were of the yeah. same situation. So it's a fun one that I like to do with my daughter as well. And oh, connection is super important to me. Yeah. So connecting with her and connecting with myself. And I can just sort of blend them all together, which is fun. And this is such a brilliant way to connect with a kid. Like My son who's six is already like completely over me asking questions at the end of the day. So I'm always like, well, who'd you play with? And what did you learn? And where'd you go? And... He's like, mom, no more questions. Uh -huh. But I could see how this, especially when you're like face to face sitting at the dinner table or whatever, I feel like that's especially like feels almost combative to the child when you mm -hmm. are audacious enough to ask a question. But I love the idea of like this 100 steps where you're like side by side. So there's no eye contact. It's so like conversations coming about and then you're taking the pictures and you're kind of analyzing that. And so you're communicating through this like completely different channel that is not like, let me interview you about your day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my daughter does the same thing too. <laughs> uh, I didn't um, expect it to happen until he was like 13. <laughs> Yeah, no, it like starts so young. <laughs> so don't you want me to know everything about your life? Yep. <laughs> so disappointing. So how do you help moms find their passions and make time for them? This comes up so much in my community where moms, because we are constantly giving to other people, at the end of the day, we're like, I don't even know what my passions are. I don't even know what I want for dinner. I don't know if I even have a favorite color. And I don't even care. Like, I'm not even motivated to figure this out until you get to a certain point of realizing, like, I have no hobbies. I have no life outside of my kids and my husband. I don't even know, like, if you gave me two days to myself, I wouldn't even know what to do. And then that feels not great. Like, all of a sudden, you have no sense of identity and you didn't realize that, like, you contributed to that, like that you yes. spent 10 years kind of walking away from your identity. So how do you help moms find their passions and then make time for them? Yeah, this is a big question. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's such a big one in my business and what I do. And I was that mom, although it happened a little bit differently for me, because I feel like it was the loss that made me go, for lack of a better way to phrase this, well, I don't have a baby coming anymore. What am I doing with myself instead? Yeah. So I sort of bought myself some time <laughs> to go, okay, what am I doing with my life? And I think, you know, had Bella been born healthy, I would have been in that same situation of going, here I am stuck in a teaching job that I hate or that isn't serving who I am anymore. What do I do? And I started to kind of connect the dots. So I started this blog. And then 
the blog led to people asking me if I could take photos for them. (laughs) And part of the advice that I give is like, you first have to say yes to yourself Mm -hmm. and you have to know what you value enough to know what is a yes and a no. So you were talking a little bit about intuition. And I think if you really have to find that space, no matter how you make it, even if it's like locking yourself in the bathroom for like five minutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally. instead of like scrolling through Facebook, it's like, I'm going to take five minutes to journal Yeah. or, you know, whatever it is, but just saying yes to yourself, I think is the first step. And for my community, especially they don't realize they're starting to say yes to themselves. They just think, Oh, I want to take better pictures of my kids. I have this kid. Right. <laughs> Let right. me take a photography class. But I think that the camera is such a wonderful mirror for our life experience. And so they start to get a taste of like taking these photos and feeling a little bit of confidence of like, Oh, I have a skill again. <laughs> I have a purpose. Yeah. And then they're like, wait, what else can I do with that? I forgot right. that that was there. Right. And so then they start questioning the bigger purpose, the bigger why. And a lot of times, you know, some moms are good with like the photography. I've got the photography. I'm good to go. And then there are moms that want to dig a little bit deeper. It's like, oh, maybe I do want a business. Maybe it's a photography business. Or maybe I said I was going to write a book. And I think it's just following those breadcrumbs of what's a yes for you in any particular moment that leads to the bigger thing. I totally agree. And I also really think that it needs to come from not necessarily connecting it to, and like I've had many people ask me about this, like not connecting it to like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and make this, like start a business around this. Because Mm -hmm. like some people that might be the ultimate goal, but I think that that's like not where we're all at. And like, that's actually not the norm at all. And that's fine. And I think that for it to just be something that gives you life, (laughs) that's all it needs to be about. And then if in a year, you're like, hmm, maybe I want to make a little bit of money on this on the side. And eventually you want to quit your job. Or maybe that happens in five years, or maybe it never happens. It needs to be something that like fuels your soul and lights you up and something where you're like, hey, husband, I'm going to like every Thursday from six to eight, this is what I want to do. And like, what night would you like to do your thing? Like, so we both get our thing, but like, this is just a thing that feeds my soul. There's a lot of communication that has to happen too. Like when you get down to it. And I think saying yes to yourself requires communication as a family. Communication and boundaries. Yep. (laughs) Totally. And that's a hard Uh, one for moms, but you can always pitch it in the sense that like, you're not like, Hey, I want all this time away from the family. Like, and especially if you're, if that's hard for you to ask for, which for a lot of people, pleasers, obliger, personality type kinds of people, it is, you can preface it with like, Hey, we should both have a little bit of time to ourselves. When would it be best for you to take that time? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is when I want to do it or this is what I want to do or whatever. Like, so that you're both like, it's a win-win versus like PS every Saturday from eight to noon, I'm going to be gone. <laughs> you know, I knew like recently that I'd reached the Holy grail of this communication thing. Cause this has been tricky for me and like building out the business. Yeah. And as it's gotten bigger and as I did decide to quit my day job, like this has been a constant practice for me. But just this past weekend, I was putting the finishing touches on a class that I've been writing. And I've need for the first time in a couple of years, I've needed actual like structured weekend time to get mm-hmm. it done. And my husband came to me on Friday and he's not usually the one to approach me. And he was like, hey, I was thinking I'd really like this time on Saturday to get the yard work done or do whatever for myself. He's like, but I know you're going to need your time this weekend. I'll take... 
our daughter out of the house for lunch on Sunday afternoon so you can have two hours to get your work done. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) He just came to me and gave me that time. That hasn't happened before. Right, Uh, right. And I used to always think that I was being such an inconvenience. Oh, gosh, I'm, you know, I'm pulling myself away. They need me. And I realized that he just needed a chance to kind of practice and find his footing with being the, like, on parent. And he's a fully capable grown adult who can parent our daughter just fine. (laughs) Right. It's required a lot of communication to figure that out. It totally requires communication and conversation and, but like the end result can be so positive. So it's worth kind of, you know, stepping through those kind of sticky places to figure it out. Cause it, I mean, there's like, I don't think either parent, either partner would ever be like, actually, you know, I don't really want any free time. So I can't believe you're asking for it. Right. Like that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. We get so used to being in that caregiver role, like we're the mom and we need to be the caregiver. And yeah, we do get lost along the way, not on purpose, I don't think, but then it's hard to kind of disentangle ourselves from that. It is. It's easy to build an identity around for moms. It's easy to build an identity around being needed and wanting to be there for everything and being super busy and so crazy and such a hot mess. Like people really embrace that and being the mommy martyr, like all these things, like in a kind of twisted way, that's super rewarding and validating to a lot of women. And so you have to catch yourself because while that can be validating in the moment and maybe even validating for 18 years, you will really, really struggle when your kids are out of the house and all you've done is be a mommy martyr, like busy badge wearer, caretaker person for 18 years and you haven't given yourself any consideration. And I've known Mm -hmm. many women who've gone through deep depressions at that time that have been hard to pull themselves out of because all of a sudden they're like, well, what is my purpose? If my purpose has only been to like make meals for these people and do laundry and drive them places and make sure that they have like everything they need for all these years, what do I do after that? So I think you have to dig in. Yeah. I have an incredible client that I've been working with for many years who is an empty nester. And it was an interesting thing to start to see the threads and like, oh, the moms that are coming to me because they've lost a child or they've lost themselves in motherhood to see all the threads of like, oh, these big transitions are when we really start to take that introspective look because she's been having some of those difficulties with like, oh, my boys are graduating college and now I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) So we've been looking at that and what are her values now and what does she want? And yeah, it's been really neat to explore. Yeah, it's fun, but it can also be really scary. I've worked with women in that situation where they're like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. Like, I think it's definitely very, very, very vulnerable feeling. Mm -hmm. First of all, define right brain creatives for people who might not know. And then what are some hacks for right brain creatives who tend to overthink things? And get, okay, maybe, so, get stuck maybe like me in analysis paralysis. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, I'm going to give a very unscientific definition of right brain creative. Right. Perfect. We're not scientific here. <laughs> yes. Which is basically a definition of who I am, <laughs> which is swirly brain and mm. like easily distracted and not necessarily, I am good at getting stuff done, but Like I am a super motivated, persistent person, but I'm not good at prioritizing. Like I'm a doer. I'm not a planner. Mm. (laughs) It's like, I like to describe it. And so, you know, I'll get a spark of inspiration and go off in one direction and I'll get a spark of inspiration and go off in a different direction. And I found it really hard to 
plan and prioritize. It's still, I think, my growing edge to this day. And I realized probably a couple years into starting my blog and my business that I would buy calendars or planning tools, like the very structured ones that were like, here's your month planner and here's your hour by hour, like map it out. And I wouldn't even write in them. (laughs) I'd buy them because they were pretty. And (laughs) and I was like, oh, they're beautiful. And I like journals. But I realized that I wasn't actually using the tools. And I was like, well, why is this? And I absolutely, because I'm a fangirl also, loved your interview with Gretchen Rubin. (laughs) Yes. And I am a questioner. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. I feel like maybe a lot of artistic people are questioners. They might, although, you know, a lot of the women that I work with that do value creativity are obligers as well. Okay. But that's probably because their motherhood journey has kind of like led them there. They want to please the family. But I'd either get obligers or questioners. Okay. I'm an upholder, so I (laughs) would... I'm like, I've laughed. I'm like, I'm the nerdy type. I have like group texts with girlfriends where like things will come up and I'm like, well, as an upholder, let me just explain my perspective here. I am very much the questioner where I'm like, if this doesn't have a purpose, I'm just not going to do it. Mm. (laughs) And so for me, I had defined a way to plan and cultivate my dreams that had meaning to me. Yeah. and wasn't like, here's this planning structure you have to use. Here's the box you have to fit in. Do it. And I was like, okay. I used to think I was a rebel, but I'm actually not a rebel. I am a questioner. And I realized that like bullet journaling and having just like blank, empty notebooks was a better planning process for me. And so now each day, because creativity is so important to me, like The mindset tool that I first anchor into is what is my why today? Because it can shift from day to day. Like I have my overarching, I love words. And so I choose my like one word intention for the year. But then I drill down and I do it daily. So it's the how do I want to feel today? And then the like, what things do I want to accomplish? And when I started to, because I'm a doer and I'm like get things done, I started to realize I was making my to-do list way too long. (laughs) First of all, <laughs> just for the sake of crossing things off, perhaps. Right. Actually, I'm not a crosser offer though. Oh, I mean, maybe oh, I you just, just make the list. list. Yeah, I would make the list and then mentally try and like check things off. Okay. But I wasn't always good at returning to the list. <laughs> but I would realize, like, oh my gosh, I have all these like home things and motherhood things and business things and personal things and work things, and I'd be like, wow, no wonder I'm so stressed out and overwhelmed. <laughs> no wonder right, I right. can't cultivate my dreams. So (laughs) it was really just going, okay, I know Megan Flatt likes to say to use like your post-it notes. If it can't fit on a post-it note, then you shouldn't be doing it for the day. And so it was really just a process of using that notebook to go, okay, let me dump it all out on paper. I need to get all the thoughts, creative, swirly thoughts out of my brain. And then I can use another page in my notebook to start prioritizing. So I have like a daily page that I work with. And when I start to feel overwhelmed or like I'm not sure what direction to go in, I can choose either like free journal or I can do another brain dump process where I get it all out on paper. But I found having the white blank space was helpful and attaching a why helped me a lot too. 
I like that a lot. I have noticed that it's interesting in college, I was like, I could write an essay about anything and convince anyone of anything and get like an A plus on the essay at any given time. Uh And so like, I was this very like lengthy writer. And now I only write and think in lists. And so, and I don't know like how that changed. But so when I actually tried to do the artist's way, this Mm -hmm. 90 days of writing three pages, and it made me so cranky. And I was like, I know I'm just supposed to lean into this. And But I finally started like, okay, I'm going to do three pages of lists then. Like, or I'm going to do three pa-. Like, I just kept on trying to negotiate my way out of like having to do like a long form paragraph writing. Um, uh-huh. So it's interesting how that shifts over time or maybe just how your brain reacts differently or maybe just like given how our culture is now that like to think of bullet lists and get like a few things like darted out and then shift attention to something else. Like maybe that's, you know, I've maybe... I- trained my brain to work that way because that's how I use my computer. (laughs) Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. That's an interesting thought too. Another tip that I give to moms that, because sometimes we block our dreams too, right? It's like, oh, that doesn't have value or it's not valid for where Mm -hmm. I am in my life. So I'm just going to push it aside and I'm not going to do it. And so sometimes that can be the barrier too of like not valuing it enough. And sometimes I have women work through, okay, why don't we just like get completely outrageous? Like this doesn't have to be the thing you start or do right now, but it's fun to have dreams. And if at least if we have a little bit more of a semblance of what they are, 
then, you know, a year from now, two years from now, you actually have an idea of where you're going. And I say, just set a timer for 10 minutes. You yes. can do anything for 10 minutes. And I actually did. I taught a photography class that was all about printing photos. Same type of overwhelm. Like the dream doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be like building a business. The dream for a lot of my moms is can I find the time to actually take all these photos that I've snapped and put them into a photo book? <laughs> right, right. And so I'm like, well, you're just going to take 10 minutes after the kids go to bed yeah. before you completely crash or turn on Netflix you're going to organize your photos for 10 minutes. And so that's another hack that I give is like trick your brain into doing, and your former fitness background, it's probably a similar thing. Like you can do it in short spurts. It doesn't totally, have to be all at once. Totally. And I use that 10 minute timer example all the time for anything. When you're like, I need to do emails and I'm like, it's the last thing I want to do. Like set a timer for 10 minutes. You'll be amazed how many emails you can reply to in 10 minutes. If you know that that's all you have to do, like you'll get yep. through like 30 emails versus like, if you're like, I'm just going to sit here and go through my inbox. You could sit there for two hours and get through like four. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I love the 10 minute timer. I think is brilliant. Okay. So you shocked your family by making some changes to your appearance as a way for you to live and thrive through anxiety. I love this. And also this is relatable to me as someone who struggles with anxiety and obsessive thinking and like brain overworking all the time. So tell us about this and what it's all about for you. This has been an interesting process. So this is audio and not video. So for those people that have not seen the headshot or seen a picture of me, I have the sides of my head are shaved and I have bright right now it's bright purplish magenta hair. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it is yeah. so gorgeous. <laughs> I love it. Right. And I have now a half sleeve on my arm of tattoos. And so that's been three years in the making. I dyed my hair about two, almost a year and a half ago. And the tattoos have been a work in process for about three years. And I can vividly remember in high school telling my parents I'm going to get a tattoo one day. I've always just thought tattoos are beautiful. And my parents, who they kind of looked at me, their eyes kind of bugged out of their heads. <laughs> They're like, uh, no, don't go do that. And so I always had a lot of fear and anxiety, like total crazy making thoughts of like, my parents will disown me if I ever get a tattoo. And so I put it on the back burner for a really long time. I did get like the tramp stamp in college. So I got like my Zodiac sign on my back. <laughs> I don't consider that one as counting, even though it probably does. But I shocked my parents then. And I was afraid to tell them then. And I had a lot. I mean, I have anxiety in my day to day life, too. But I had a lot of anxiety at, about going through this body change. And you know, the anxiety is a day-to-day -day thing for me. Some days I, when my daughter was in preschool, I didn't even want to go out of the house and interact with moms. Like I was like, I just don't feel like talking to people today. Like my anxiety shows up in very interesting ways sometimes. And I was talking to a coach I was working with a couple of years ago. And I was like, I've always wanted to get a tattoo. And then we started to dig deeper into why I hadn't done it. And there are a few reasons. One of the reasons was I just had trouble making a decision about what kind of tattoo I wanted because <laughs> that's a big decision. Yeah. And then, but then as we dug deeper, there was also these stories that I was telling myself about as like a 35 year old grown woman about what my parents would think of me. And then I was like, this is dumb. Like if this is what I want to do and it's ex an expression of who I am, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so I got the tattoo. I love it. I am good friends with my tattoo artist. Now I say going to my tattoo artist now feels like going to my hairstylist. Like she's a former teacher and she turned into like, she went and followed her passion and she's now a mom. And we have these great conversations when I go 
and get another tattoo. But then after I made this change to my appearance, then I realized there were other stories I was telling myself about how I didn't want to be visible in the world. So people would notice the tattoos and they'd say something. And then I would like deflect the compliment or I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be seen. So the hair kind of came in as a like separate part of that, like just so fully embracing my identity and the fact that I like to be, I feel like I'm more authentic and in integrity with myself when I'm doing some of these edgy creative things. And it kind of forced me to come out of my shell in a different way and really claim who I am and who I want to be in adulthood. And, you know, my husband and I joke, he's like, you're going through your midlife crisis. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel more myself than I ever have ever before. And some of my friends that have known me for a good number of years now are like, I look at pictures of you three years ago when you have like very normal (laughs) brown (laughs) hair. And they're like, who is that person? So I know that I am definitely living a more authentic existence and I'm able to be more of me because of this. And it's a great conversation starter too. Yes, totally. And I love the idea, like so nicely articulated, like not wanting to be seen. And now like you can't not be seen. It and forces I, me to step out of my comfort zone every I think that's amazing. Day. I love that. I think that's so amazing. And I think that I was actually joking the other day about moms, how like when you make this transition into taking pictures with your family, so you go from, you know, in your maybe pre-child life where like anytime you're in a picture, it's like you or you and a partner or whatever. And then you go to taking pictures with your family and there gets to be a point where you're like, oh, I want to pick the picture where my kid is the cutest and maybe I'm not because you think your kids are like so cute. And <laughs> We're like, I don't need to be seen, like whatever. I'm like, look at my kid, look how amazing they are. And then to go back, I think there's also a point, at least for me, there has been to go back and be like, wait, like I want to look good too. And so I kind of did this and I'm reading the book right now, The Body's Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, which is an amazing, amazing book. And I talked to my moms in our private Facebook community about being seen and about like encouraging them, like you should be taking more selfies. Like I want you to actually practice taking Mm -hmm. selfies. If you don't ever take selfies, you're going to feel like you're pretending to be a card and that's completely fine. But like practicing being seen and practicing seeing yourself at different angles and in different lighting and what, and with your hair different ways and to really start embracing like, oh, like I like this look here and I like this and like being comfortable being seen to yourself and Mm -hmm. then maybe to other people as well. And so I think it's a really, really powerful thing. And I'm glad we got to touch on that. I do wonder sometimes what I'm going to think like, 30 years from now, when I look at those pictures, I'm like, Oh, look, look at when I had pink hair, <laughs> look when I had blue hair. But I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to live in the moment now. It's going to be great. Right. <laughs> we'll all have a laugh. Well, and hair years. color, I mean, like bright hair is like 30 years ago, it would have been really different right now. It's like, it's gotten to be very mainstream. So yeah. like when you look back, you know, 20 years from now, I don't think it'll be like, I remember when I used to be like so wild and crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So you are in the process of scaling your business. And I'm so curious about this because I think sometimes creative type people who are doing like very specific artistic hobbies and passions, I think that they can be hesitant to build an entrepreneurial empire and to feel like I want to like go make all the money. And so how do you stay in integrity as a creative while also being a badass entrepreneur and building your empire? Yeah, this has been a big question that I've had to explore and unravel. And I think I'm not 
there yet. There are still stories that I'm unraveling behind this because at the heart of everything, I want to be a coach and a mentor and a teacher, and I want to have deep, meaningful relationships with the people that I serve. And so for a while, it was like, okay, well, I want to build an empire and I want to make more money, and I'm unapologetic about that. But it's how do I continue doing what I feel is the work that I'm meant to do and that feels really in alignment for me and also allows me to scale? And so I started my photography class on a whim. The photography business never went well for me because I have the heart of a teacher. (laughs) But the class that I started teaching locally and live eight years ago turned into a thing. It's called momtography. And I've been teaching it now eight years locally, five years online. There's an online version of the class now. And in the last year... Um, I got really burnt out on photography for a while because there was a little bit of a disconnect between, okay, I enjoy the coaching and mentoring around life. How can I do that with a camera and how can I still you know, do all the things that I love? And so I'm returning back to photography because it is a tool to help us love our life and feel good about our life. And I finally was like, huh, I'm asked to travel a lot with these classes, but I also value family and home and I don't want to be traveling all the time to teach one-off classes maybe there are other moms that want to teach this class. And so I've started a licensing and certification program where I train teachers to go kind of start their own business or an arm of their business teaching momtography classes live in their cities or towns. And so that is the thing that is giving me the leverage to be able to scale if I want to. I love that. That's so Mm -hmm. cool. So cool and so fun. Okay. Final question. In what ways are you a shameless mom? You know, it's so funny. I know you asked this to all of your guests and I'm like, I don't know. There's so many ways. <laughs> you already uh, just gave a whole bunch. Of, what's yeah. funny is by the time I asked this question, everyone's already given like 47 ways that they're shameless. So it's always interesting to me to see what people come up with. <laughs> I think for me, it is this idea of living in integrity and living in my truth and not being afraid to be bold and daring and try things, even if it means I'm going to fail or I'm not going to like it. So that's what I'd say. Like the hair and the tattoos, that's all part of me living as a shameless mom. Like I don't have yes. to fit into a box. Yes, I can be totally. who I am. You don't need to blend in with other moms at pickup every day after school. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Okay. So this has been awesome, Beryl. I really appreciate you sharing. And I really want to make sure that anyone who might have interest in connecting with you through momtography and learning more about that can do so. So can you tell people where they can find you and how they can connect with you? Yes. So my business, the umbrella is actually recapture self. So recaptureself.com is the best place to go find me. And I hang out on Instagram a lot as well. And I'm recapture self on Instagram too. Perfect. I have to go find you there. I don't think I did that as part of my stalking. I do try to always <laughs> stalk people in all those places before interviewing, but sometimes I get so sucked into a website or a bio or something that I don't make it to the social yeah, media totally. stuff. So I will find and- you there for sure. We have a free Facebook group that we have a photo challenge. And I think I gave you the link to the photo challenge if anybody wants to do that and you can put it in the show notes. Is that the recaptureself.com slash feel good? Yes. Feel good photo challenge. Perfect. Okay. Yep. I have that for the show notes as well. So everything mentioned here, including the links to the Gretchen Rubin interview and the Megan Flat interview will all be over in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. 
Beryl, thank you, thank you. This has been so fun. I knew Megan Flatt was making an excellent recommendation and she uh, proved herself correct. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for spending time with me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. I really, really appreciate you being here. If this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you get all episodes as soon as they're released and you never miss an episode. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the little subscribe button. While you're there, please also rate and review the show. Let me know what you loved. Let me know in what way you are a shameless mom. And remember, shameless mom of the week nominations come from our reviews. So if you want to be nominated, you got to leave a review. So make sure you leave a review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And lastly, share this episode with other shameless moms in your lives. The way the show grows and the way we build our community is by you all spreading the word. So take a screenshot of this episode, share it on social media, tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. I will make sure I reply as quickly as I possibly can, sending you lots of loves and shout outs. And I can't wait to connect with you there. Until next time, have a great day. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayeni, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.